Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Kelly, joined in on the other end of the Skype line by Shane and the telephone line by Noreen Lynch from the Pastel Centre in Limerick. Again, thanks again, uh, Noreen, for coming in. It's lovely to have you on. It's a shame we didn't have you on a bit before now, but I suppose during the summer you guys mightn't have so much planned as you would maybe this time of the year. So thanks again for joining us. Any news you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I suppose there's always news and, and, and things happening and... Uh I suppose through the newsletter that I'm involved with, I, I like to be sharing what's happening in parishes and around the around the diocese. Shane was sharing there about the um, the gathering in Dublin at the weekend for the um, World Meeting of Families coming up, mm. um, and we're really encouraging parishes to have somebody there. But also, there's other bits and pieces. Um, the uh, Milford Centre in Castletroy continues to offer some very good bereavement support for mm. families, for parents, for children, for adults who are grieving. So they have a special evening this Monday evening, that's tomorrow night, um, at 7 to 9 o'clock. And it's free, anyone can go along. Um, it's for parents who, who are grieving, and if you've been before, you're welcome. And you can just look that up on their website. If you just ring Milford, they'll tell you about it. There's also a play on in Mary Eye um, tomorrow night, Monday night, which is actually around human trafficking, which is, I suppose, an issue when Pope Francis said about the new work of mercy that we would have kept care for the common good for creation and the world that we live in mm. we're really being challenged I suppose to think beyond just those around us and those nearest that we know and realise that there's a whole world of, of struggle that people uh, are trying to, to live in and deal with in our world now and human trafficking is one of the biggest problems in our world it goes up there with gun running and it's even ahead of it now and uh, so there's a play being put on in Mary Eye uh, on sorry it's on Wednesday evening um, and it's at half seven, and that's going to really be looking at that. Doris Lemire are involved in it, and um, some local sisters. So just felt it's an important conversation to open up. The first thing I'll mention then, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop then, just for three things to have in the week ahead, is that on the 20th as well, that's Thursday night, in the Augustinians in Limerick, a lot of people will know the Augustinians, is that lovely mm-hmm. church in O'Connell Street that you can call into when you're uptown. They have every year, and this is the eighth year actually, they have a, an annual service of commemoration and hope for those who've been bereaved through uh, alcohol or drug abuse, misuse. Um, so they have a service every year and people come along. Uh, service of commemoration, hope, as I say, Destination Hope, a journey for life, it's called this year. And it's very open and welcome. It's at 7 o'clock on Thursday in the Augustinians and everyone will be welcome. So I suppose I'm mentioning those because people may say, well, I know somebody who that mm. would, you know, uh, would like to come to those. Um bereavement, uh, the, that play on human trafficking and the um, uh, the North Star Family Support Project a commemoration service. There's a few other things that are happening as well. Uh, there's a, a talk in Mary Eye um, on Wednesday night and Thursday night as well on Aquinas and Education Today and there's also on Saturday night there's a, a special play on in the Lime Tree Theatre which has uh, the proceeds are going to uh, the, uh, the local hospices. Um, and it's called The God Box, which looks very interesting. I haven't been mm. to it. Uh, it's on in the Lime Tree on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. And uh, it's uh, uh, the, the, a, a daughter's story about what if the only way to hold on is to let go is the, is the tagline for so the God Box project, which looks quite interesting and it's benefiting the hospital. So those are kind of things that are happening around, and I think it's useful just to name them. I hope that's okay. Mm. Um, so in, in, in terms of the, the pastoral centre then, Sorry, Nadine, just before you do, if people want to get your yeah. newsletter, there's some people mightn't be aware that you do actually produce a newsletter, yes. and, how, and how, could they, how, you know, how could they get it? 
Thank you. Thank you, Dan. You're dead right. I, that's important. I suppose what we did in Limerick was we decided that we would have once a week an email that anybody could sign up for and mm. that anybody could get, whether they're in a parish, whether they just personally would like to get that. So if you go to the website, it's Limerick Diocese website. So you just write in Limerick Diocese and mm-hmm. Google and it'll bring you straight there. And on the right-hand side, is a white block of writing. There's a block with a white thing. And the very bottom one on that list of white in the white box is Diocese and Newsletter Sign-Up. You click on that, you just, it asks you for your email address, you put it in, and you're signed up. And if you sign up and realise after one or two emails that this isn't what I thought it was or it doesn't fit me, right across the top of each email is the word unsubscribe, and if you click on that, we'll go away and not bother you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so and if you've any problem with that, just ring the pastoral centre and they'll help you there or they'll take the address and do it for you. It's a great so resource. you an email and you'd like weekly to get something. It comes through so, at 9am every, every Wednesday morning, isn't that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, our instinct is that that's when people start preparing for parish newsletters, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that it's good to have it there on Wednesday when you're preparing. Beautiful. Now, we don't get everything in. I'm conscious there's way more, for instance, every Thursday evening now in town, the Augustinians have a Tuesday evening. Uh, the Dominican Sisters have started a number <coughs> of new initiatives, mm-hmm. um, which are yeah. lovely. Uh, the first Fridays, they have uh, starting a young girls' choir and different things. Each week we try and have different things there, mm. you know, um, mm-hmm. so that people can get a, a broad sense and a little reflection on the scripture as well for the Sunday coming up and maybe a good news story. And one thing I'd really like to encourage, actually, I, I am very strong in the belief that there's lots more happening than we realise yeah. and that if people have good news stories around faith, parish, you know, we had an event in the parish or we were just back from pilgrimage or something like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. if they want to send us in any of that information, um, that we'd be delighted to get it and to share it as good news stories because we inspire one another when we share the good news of what's happening on the ground, you know. So people can contact us in the centre. Uh, they can ring the 061 number 400-133-400-133 or they can email me at nlynch, that's N for Noreen, mm-hmm. nlynch at ldpc.ie, the Mertes and Pastoral Centre, ldpc.ie, um, nlynch and, or 400-133. And we'd be delighted to hear from them. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Noreen. Now, uh, you were going to go on, Noreen, to tell us a couple of things that are coming up in the pastoral centre or to associate with the diocese. I well, the diocese, broadly, I suppose, you know, um, we're very conscious uh, now that we've been through the synod process and that we're, we're beginning to, to come out and, and that we, we just see ourselves very much as one, the, the diocesan office and the pastoral centre very much working together with this common goal in all our different areas of work that we're all, all about bringing this, the Synod to fulfilment uh, as the, the, the delegates representing all of the diocese so voted and so, uh, so asked us to do. So um, I suppose probably the biggest news is that this uh, Saturday yesterday that we had a gathering of um, Synod delegates and that on Wednesday night coming up we're going to gather clergy and chairpersons of parish councils and pastoral area um, representatives and what we're really doing at those two gatherings is, yesterday we said, here is the plan from, in the six areas, we're involved in the Synod that you voted on, and here is how we're making actions happen. And the delegates looked at that and said, yes, this is what we asked for, and in one or two cases, you know, uh, check changes, but generally, this is the plan, we're working off this, and we asked delegates where they wanted to get involved in areas to make that a reality. And on Wednesday night, we have a gathering. There's a clergy conference coming up. But before we have that, we have a gathering with clergy and chairperson of the parish councils and pastoral area reps. One. So there'll be two people from each parish plus the clergy. And we're saying to them, this is what has been decided. So now you really know what's happening. And we're asking you to go back to your parish councils now and say, 
in this parish, how are we going to enact this, these decisions? So we're, we're very conscious that parishes are all very different and have very different energies and needs. So we're not saying every parish must do the same thing at the same time. What we're saying is that we will set goals for every two years. So every two years in parish, a certain amount of movement needs to take place, in pastoral area and in diocese, a certain amount of movement needs to take place. And each two years we take on new tasks and we move so that our pastoral plan is for 2025. But rather than simply saying we must do everything at the same time, we're building all the time towards and, and building our capacity so that by the time we get to 2025, we'll have in place what we need to really fulfil all the goals of the Synod. Um, and so I think it's a really exciting time. And what I'd be hoping is that over the next few weeks, that both your Synod delegates locally, that your pastoral council and chairpersons, your clergy and your pastoral area team members would all be starting to say, we need to meet to tell you what has been talked about. We need to show you what's been talked about, what the plans are, and then we need to start in October, November, as parishes, as faith communities, saying, okay, from our two-year plan for that, that's proposed to us, what do we choose to start working on now? What will we work on immediately? What can we work on next year? So that we are in line and working with all the other parishes and communities in, in the diocese. So I think it's a very exciting time. It's a time when all the, the theory becomes practice. Um, and it's a challenging time too for us all. So please God, we'll just support one another and um, just ask God's blessing on what we're about to do because I think it's going to be really interesting. So very kind of um, dynamic times ahead of us, Noreen, across the diocese, I suppose. And I suppose it's a fair, you know, it's a fair point to to, to re-emphasise that that while we have common, if you like, plans and actions, that parishes will be approaching them in their own different ways, I suppose. And, I, and that, that's important. I mean, as parishes of different energies have different requirements. So what, what we've done is said, for each two-year block, here's the number of things you need to be working on. Choose where you'll start and do one of them, do two of them, and then move through them accordingly. So a parish might look and say, well, obviously we have a parish council in place, so we don't need to do that. But there's another area that actually we could start working on. And that's why, say, last year, we were very strong on every parish now has a parish pastoral council. It's mandated the very same way as you legally have to have a finance committee. It's just in place now. So that's in place in order that we can actually have a group locally who are able to say, given our realities and the commitment that, you know, the diocese has asked us to undertake, what's possible? We can decide. So it's not been decided in an office in town. It's very much been decided locally by the group of people who are gathered. And they may say, actually, you know what? We have a parish council but we really need to bring in perhaps new people or we need to have some formation in order to be able to do this. Cause, or a group might say, OK, we can tip away at this, but we need to maybe look at liturgy or youth or whatever area. We're going to do one thing in that area and we're going to involve new people in doing that. So it'll be very much parishes according to their energies and their needs and according to what we have as a diocese and the pastor area committed to. Because at this point, if a parish doesn't engage or... or a, a group doesn't, it, it'll be quite difficult because we're all going together now. We're in a common area. Like that's what the synod has been all about. We're going together. So yeah. um, I think it'll be really interesting now to hear the reports back and how we begin the conversation. I'm really looking forward to hearing how everybody gets on with this now over the next few weeks and months. So interesting times ahead. And of course, the, of course one thing about it, of course, is because Limerick was uh, one of the first dioceses in the country to have a formal um, synod of course, we're we're getting a lot of um, scrutiny, shall we say, from our sister dioceses around the place. 
People are, are hugely encouraged and uh, just say that it's such a blessing that Limerick has taken a risk and stepped out and so, so much appreciation for our bishop. Um, such a, you know, a sense that this is a man who trusts God and trusts the people of God and uh, what a gift that is. Um, and, you know, a real sense that uh, people are saying it now becomes a possibility because you took the chance, because you entered fully into this and engaged with it. It becomes possible as something that another diocese could, uh, could approach. And of course, people are saying, what does it mean? And where does it bed in on the ground? And we're able to say, you know, look, we've gathered back the Synod delegates again. We're gathering the leaders in the parish community back again now. So we are putting this up, but we're making sure we do it well rather than do it rushed. We do it well and do it in a way that's sustainable and that doesn't burn people out, but that actually gives life-giving and really respects and supports the local community. And, and, and ask of the local community to step up, you know, give people really clear ways that they can step up and say, this is our faith community and we will work for this. And I think, actually, that's a very important point that we kind of have to say to listeners and say to parishioners in the diocese. Like, at the end of the day, parishes and the continuation of parishes and parish life is not going to be dictated by the diocesan office or the bishop. It comes back to us as communities, as people of God, kind of turning around and saying, well, you know what, this is us, this is who we are, and what are we going to do to participate in all of this? Yeah, well, I, I suppose, Shane, what I'd be conscious of is that most parish and community life is happening away all the time. Look, people who in their homes are, are praying together, or saying their grace before me, and people who are bringing their children to Sunday worship, people who are involved in local communities, already we are about the work of God locally. And really it's about how do we support one another so that this is a life-giving, energising experience, you know, where we can really celebrate with joy that God is with us rather than survive and, and, and feel under pressure, you know. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's important. So what I'd say first is there are loads of instances. I mean, around the country, the county, we have so many exceptional teachers. You know, I see... Um, our primary and secondary school um, advisors, Carmel and Fiona, and now Sister Rose Miriam, when they're out in the community, out with parishes and schools, they just talk about how great our teachers are and how supportive and how interested they are. Um, we have in you know in youth work and in youth ministry, we've some amazing young people who stepped up and got involved. Um, only on Friday night, the Abbey Field Group, the youth ministry, they had a uh, a concert in the church to raise some funds for the youth ministry in Abbey Field. You just see all the time around the place there are things happening. And really, it's about saying, how can we support one another so that nobody's getting burnt out or stressed about trying to carry everything, but that we are together uh, going forward and we're putting in place whatever ways of working that will you know, really help people to step in if they want to step in. But also that if somebody gets involved, they can step back after a few years and say, I leave it to somebody else now and mm. move on to another area. You know, so that this, we're really just trying to say, let's put stuff in place so the local community voice is really heard. And so that nobody is carrying things on their own. And so there's quite a bit of stuff we can share. There's uh, quite a bit that we can, you know, resources we can share. Um, and even by doing things together, so within a pastoral area, maybe saying, could we in the pastoral area have a gathering for ministers of the Eucharist and ministers of the Word that would help them to improve what they're doing and to reflect, rather than everybody trying to come in now to Limerick all the time in, into the city, that mm -hmm. we might do something in each area. So there's lots of little ways that we could... Know, be creative and be smart about what we're doing mm -hmm. so we could look at how do we 
locally pray, what are we already doing that we could learn from and share the ideas with one another. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned there, Noreen, about how do we pray locally. And one of the things or two of the things, I suppose, that are we're going to be working on as a diocese in the new year. uh, I know and I know you're going to be involved with this is community singing or congregation singing, rather, and Mm -hmm. also forms of prayer and worship as community. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose. I was asked, uh, along with Father Frank O'Connor, to uh, take up some study for the next two years um, on behalf of the diocese in the area of liturgy. So we're attending a, um, a taught master's in Manute, um on behalf of the diocese to really just get the best of, of knowledge and the best of new resources for our work. Um, because we really want to take on the whole piece of liturgy as the team from the Synod that were there were very specific requests made so the first one was definitely a congregation of the highest response from the synod you know people just this is what we want and it is the heart of our liturgy you know particularly sundays that sense that when we sing together we pray twice as they say or when we sing together it unites us it gives us a sense of belonging um and that we have a huge number of choirs a huge number of people who are volunteering and professional musicians who are working for us who are really looking at how can we improve the liturgy through music? How can we help people to pray, to feel like they connect and are actively participating in the, litur- in the liturgy through music? And so uh, we're going to organise in the spring. I think we, we'll just leave it until after the Christmas to get it well organised. But some workshops for choirs, some looking at, uh, with parish liturgy groups, taking a look at congregational singing and how we can support it. It was interesting that in the Synod, the top vote was for congregational singing, but that hymn books and cantors, the people who would lead singing, came further down the list. And, and some people said, well, we didn't know what a cantor was, but the idea was that within the community, there would be one or two who could lead singing so that whether, whether or not on a particular day there was a, an organ or a guitar or something available, that actually we could always sing at Mass. Somebody would start to hymn. And there's a lot of really good examples of that around the country where um, people are, for instance, three friends might sit together near a front row and start the hymns. So mm. nobody feels under pressure or where somebody goes forward. But all of these ideas around congregational singing are there. And we'll be working on those just to really get that sense of that if we can sing the mass. Because actually, when you look back at the right across time or 2000 years of the church, music has always been a key way that we engage more deeply with the text, the scripture text, uh, the liturgy. And when we sing Hosanna, when we sing Alleluia, that we are somehow all entering into this and we savour the words and really pray together in a better way. And this is, so that's one piece. The other piece, of course, is, uh, yeah, that we need to take a look at how we pray, particularly on weekdays um, as, mm. as communities um, and how we, we keep that going because I think our parishes, it's very important for us that our parishes and our parish churches are open daily and that we pray locally daily. That's, that's a very strong sense that people have. They want that and they don't want to, to lose that. But in the middle of that, um, we have to look at the reality of holding, first of all, holding Sunday as the high point. And now how do we organise as parish so that our priests have energy and are available and our whole community are engaged on Sunday? And it can be a real high point of the week because Sunday is the day of the sun, the day of the Lord, uh, the, the, the gathering where all of us recognise ourselves. This is us. This is our parish. And we are called to be Christ's hands and Christ's feet going out into the world for the rest of the week. Mm. So we want to hold Sunday. But that involves us then looking at, okay, 
during the week then uh, are we going to have space where, for example, our parish priest can have one day off in the week? Not two, but one day off in the week. Are we going to look at how we organise our prayers so that if uh, our priests are sick, that we would still be able to gather and pray? Um, and uh, I suppose one of the things we were asked to look at then was lay-led liturgy and how that could be organised. And um, I suppose when I initially looked at this, I was thinking just in terms of morning mass, if it was possible, if there wasn't a morning mass, what else was possible? But as I sat down and thought about it, I thought many people are leaving liturgy or public prayer loads of ways in, in benediction, um, stations of the cross, in, you know, reciting the rosary in funeral homes and at graveyards. Uh, you know, we often have uh, people that will be bringing communion, for example, to a nursing home and have a little prayer service there before they begin. There's lots of ways that lay people are already leading public prayer, you know, the prayer of the parish. Um, and maybe first we might start by acknowledging that and realising the breadth of public prayer that's there. Mm. You know, the breadth of ways that we as a parish are already, you know, supporting each other to pray. And sometimes we have a priestess and sometimes we don't, but there's a lot of ways we can do that. Mm. And then we might look at what is our expectation for a mm. prayer in this parish and what's actually possible. So we might then say, OK, actually, you know what, for the next year, you know, we might all we might have a priest with us in the city or in the county. We might have a priest with us every single day. You might never take a holiday. But perhaps we'll just look at, well, what are the things that we could do that would free him up so that come Sunday he wouldn't be exhausted mm. and also that we would be getting contact. We might say, well, we'll take on benediction. We will look at Stations of the Cross. We will look at coming up to Easter or during Lent. What can we do that Father can be there but doesn't have to be leaving everything? And we kind of identify a few things. So I'll be putting some resources together, some workshops, and inviting all the parishes to be involved. And then we look very specifically, of course, as well in the middle of that, at day-led liturgies that might happen on weekday mornings when a priest wasn't available for Mass but when it, what people would want to pray in their local community. I think the, the question for us all the time is how do we get the balance of that people are entitled to the Eucharist and we want people to be able to travel if they need to, to, to receive the Eucharist, but also that the local community church, the local parish church, particularly if there's two churches, a small church in a parish, that how do we make sure that those churches are alive and that the community of faith, the prayer community locally, is helped um, to really maintain its identity and to be held as a place of prayer long term okay yeah, that's a load of ideas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen Noreen listen thank you very much for that we need to take a small ad break um, yeah. I have to say and thank you very much for that kind of update and kind of some thoughts for people to think about um, you know in terms of what's coming up over the next couple of months and areas that as you know faith community we need to we need to think about and as you said yourself you know acknowledge where we're at and good that's that actually there and that we can grow from and that we can work off off uh, you know as we as we journey together uh, into into the future. And I'm happy to chat to anyone if they want to give me a call or chat about any of this. Very happy yeah. to chat. No yeah. problem. All right, we'll just take a break here and we'll come back then for part three of the programme, John. Okay. Thanks for that, lads. Uh, now we'll, we'll go out for a bit of music. At uh, this time, I'm taking it from a group, a young group from Louisiana who I met a few years ago. And they're singing from their Sacred Hymns collection a lovely piece, uh, Ave Maria. So this is this.
Sacred Space.